city to city, state to state, worldwide. This is In the Zone, and this is the network, the A-Train Arlington Lane. Back at it again. Inside quarantine, the zone quarantine. Uh, joining me, as always, is... <laughs> Are you going to make it today, man? He's a Palmer Alexander, the living legend, K-I-L. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to make it, man. I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make it through this, man. Today, after what I just witnessed, <laughs> that went in my stomach, man. Good God Almighty! Well, uh, this is our uh, last dance special, and uh, it, it, he didn't have many words to say. I hope he has some words for this broadcast today. <laughs> no, man. It's um, you know, I was looking forward to this, and and um. I did. I did a. Uh, I did a Zoom uh, chat yesterday. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, Red Cups, and you know, even though the uh, conversation didn't as go as long as I like, you for, for two reasons. Uh, you know, one, uh, Mike was shrieking again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then my emos guy. You know, arrive. Arrive. So, so yeah, you got to do what you got to do, uh, man. But yeah, you know when you start talking about LeBron, and you know people, listen, I love LeBron, um, but you know, you know when you talking about greatness, and then I think uh, titles and impact on the game yep. and stuff like that. Uh, you know that. You know that kind of. Makes your greatness, right? Yes. And so, I think I I I ruffled a couple of feathers when I said, "Hey, listen, you know, as great as LeBron is, LeBron needs to catch Tim Duncan and pass him." Very true. They both are forwards. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. I mean, Gordon, you know, Jordan's a guard, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, quick, awesome. let's quickly digest. Um, we'll have a lot of time. Where, That's where an appropriate we, word. Digest what we had uh, seen tonight with uh, episodes three and four. Uh, episode three was mainly about Dennis Rodman and then um, his uh, institution with the Bad Boys of the Detroit Pistons, and then four was mostly about him, Phil Jackson, and. Um, uh, which kind of, you know how they intertwine going back and forth with stories. Four was about him winning, Bulls winning their first championship, and then how they correlate with going into the end, you know, January of 98 when they lost to the Jazz, you know, before the All-Star break. We'll start with three. But uh, Dennis, what I saw tonight with Dennis Rodman was that on the outside, I thought he was nuts. But what we did not know on the inside was – he was the perfect teammate for this school, for this group. Yeah. And, and, and for um, in both situations with the Pistons and the Bulls. Right. And, um, you know, and, and notice how Isaiah kind of chuckled, you know, when he found out that, that uh, you know, Dennis was going to be joining the Bulls because he, he didn't think that would be – he didn't think it'd be a good, nobody thought that'd be a good fit. Uh, exactly. Nobody uh, knew. Uh, apparently, their assistant GM did, and all he was the GM was thinking about how to get past Orlando, 
And so, you know, we had this kind of, I told you about that a little bit uh, yesterday when we were talking. And I'm sitting back and I was like, a lot of people going to look at this and say, well, there's the big three that the Chicago Bulls was looking for. No, that's not necessarily the case because Michael didn't recruit him. Scotty didn't go out and recruit him. Phil didn't even go and recruit him. Jerry Krause didn't even go and recruit him. That was a whole different game plan than what they was looking at. And, of course, you saw the three titles, you know, come from that because of his outstanding rebounding and defense because Rodman was out there to play. And he bought in. And that and that was that and that was the thing. Um when when he was with the Bulls and you know you hear the the outlandish stories and and you watching the you watching the last dance and you see how it was chronicled and just just even you know remembering that time frame, I thought that was you know crazy. Uh but it was also remarkable that he can go out there, he can you know, drink, uh, push himself to the limit, and then go out there and guard Carl Malone, right? Um, on the road in Utah, thin air, no problems. Right. And then go back and do it again. And Michael said it best, and as you can see that with Michael, if, if Michael trusted you, then – you wasn't going to have no problems, and, and Dennis Dennis held it. Dennis held his own, and just think about this too. Dennis knew not to disappoint Isaiah. He knew not to disappoint Michael. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. No matter how we look at it, he knew not to disappoint when he was needed. He's won five titles, you know, in his career, you know, and so you know, seeing the story about Dennis, you know. Uh, upbringing and you know it's basically adding on to from when he did his 30 for 30 um you know about how chuck daly you know literally put his arm around him and uh you know was helping him that's the same thing with phil did in chicago see a lot of people will look at dennis and say man i ain't finna fool with you you crazy i don't want to do nothing i don't want to touch i don't even want to be around you yo or just play basketball and be that's it no phil took it outside of himself when he found out that you know, they was uh, the Oklahoma, the, the Oklahoma connection that gelled and you knew that, you know, what you was going to get out of field. And then hearing the story just recently on SportsCenter that um, that field never went to Krause when it dealt with that Robin Vegas issue. He went to Mike. He didn't even go to upper management. He went within the team and the leader of the team. And, and I think, he, you know, Phil just being smart, man, and, and just. I think sometimes too. I think we've been, uh, you know, at at our job or been in a job sometime, and you have to kind of make those decisions. Uh, you know, they are risque or whatnot, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and and you and um, you know what the consequences are if it goes bad, but you know, high risk and high reward. Mm -hmm. And you saw the reward; it really paid off. Let's go. I'm gonna go back a little bit because the, the last time we tried to get this, this episode off, some things happened. But back in one and two, we learned about Mike, we learned about Scotty, and it's like Dennis. So you learn about the three amigos because remember that's what they were known as in this case. And and there was an interesting story back in episode three where he's talking about Dennis helping Mike because Mike needed Dennis because Scotty was out, selfish, whatever you want to call it. And then when Scotty came back, Dennis was back out in 
yeah. as the third wheel again, yeah. as how he re- referred it as. So I find that interesting, you know, that Mike and Dennis had a rapport with each other, you know, in that that last three years of the ten, you know, three years of run. And I never would have you you never would see that. But Dennis was like literally the best teammate that Mike and Scotty could have had. I mean, and then you know, Mike, Mike was right there, you know, uh speaking on that. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike could attest to that. Uh, and I, I and I do remember that that period where, where uh, Scotty was down for a long period of time, and then you know I just I figured like well that just means more shots for Harper uh, because you know Harper, which low key was was another really important piece to uh, the Bulls because he started. Yeah, uh, he he started on all three of those championship teams uh, in Chicago, and he started on those championship teams in in LA. And you know, playing you know his twenty to, to twenty four minutes a night, and you know, and, and taking uh, six to eight shots. But he did, he did, you know, shoot a little bit more. You know, gave them a few more points. You know, when Scotty wasn't there, and then everybody kind of fell back. But Dennis uh, just really just seemed to uh, regress. You know, when Scotty came back. You're listening to uh, In the Zone, a special edition of the In the Zone show. We're doing uh, the Last Dance special. Adrian Arlington Lane, Palmer Alexander III, uh, a.k.a. the Living Legend, K.I.L., one Ellen Kill, but Kill Still Kill. And you mentioned something about Ryan Harper, and I'm glad you brought him up because there was, back in episode three, there was the talk of how the Bulls had to get to being good, you know. Uh we learned about Stan Albeck in in episode two. Uh, we never learned what's crazy. We never learned about Kevin Lowry. Never did. But we learned about Stan Albeck. We learned about Derrick Doug Collins. Um, but we learned here is the the road to Bulls becoming great. And one of those teams was Cleveland. And during that '89 season, as Mike had said, you played your division rival six times. And they lost all six times to the Cavs. So it looked like it was a cinch that the Cavs was going to beat them in the first round. Of course, you all know that if you watch, you've seen the story, what happened. But it was the final play where everybody knows is the shot. Yeah. Ron Harper gets on and he says, Coach, Coach. I think the coach at the time was Lenny Wilkins, if that yeah, if that's it, correct. It, it, it was Lenny. And I almost said brother Lenny. It was Lenny Wilkins. And he asked Lenny, he said, Lenny, let me go at Mike. I can get him. Ain't nobody else. And I remember we had conversations about that Ron could touch Mike. Yeah, I mean, and 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 Ron was used to give Mike that work. And the and I used to again, Ron Harper was my favorite shooting guard. So uh, you know, people ask, like, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite shooting guard? And, and Ryan Harper would be number one. Drexler two. Jordan was three. I mean, yeah, that that was just my preference. So, uh, but but I love the way Ryan played him. He played him up well, and and that was uh, before you know he had the ACL injury. So <laughs> you figured the last play, right? Yeah. You figured you'd have Harper guard, guard Mike. Mike instead of Craig Elo. I mean, you talking about slow as molasses. Molasses. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't could iterate that any I mean, better. Poor Craig Elo couldn't even get off the floor. I mean, he got very little lift off the floor. I mean, 
by the time he came down, Jordan was already going up. <laughs> Here's the sad part about that whole thing. The, the play before that is when Elo made the go-ahead basket. Yeah. A lot of people want to people would give Jordan hell for not defending on that play. But then he gets back down and he's the hero and hit the, the game winning shot. But Harper was very unhappy with that. And I can see it because I think if that would have been a different, much different result. I mean, he may would have made it, more than likely he would not have. Yeah, I mean, and Harper arms are longer, too. Yep. You know, his arms are longer and he could jump a little higher. Elo barely got off the ground. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, it, you know, hell, he, he did everything he could. I mean, Put his, he put his hand up there, but he didn't even get off the floor. I mean, Harper arms are longer, and who knows? I mean that that may have that may have changed the shot without a question, man. But hey, but but we never know. But it's always you know good to to have these uh, hypothetical you know debates. Exactly, and uh, and in episode four, we might get back to episode three in a sec. But the episode four uh, and three kind of ran together with the Jordan rules. We actually learned what the Jordan rules was. It was broken down by former Pistons assistant, Brendan Malone. And there's various ways that how you're going to stop Mike. But the one thing that really got me and which we pretty much already knew, but it's still, it means it was consistent was that when he got in the paint, you hit him no matter what. I don't care what he doing. When he gets into that, in that box, you make sure he stays down. He gets hit. Yeah. And so during that, and, and a lot of people say it was just that three period, a three year period. Actually, it was a five year period within that 86 to 90. That time period then was when you saw that the Jordan rules was in effect. It really magnified and, and, in 88. And, and listen, I mean, the league was rough all the way around. So uh, Jordan was by far the best player in the league. Uh, but there were plenty of elbows. There were plenty of close lines from hell uh, being divvied out <laughs> on a regular basis. Right. Uh, trust me, the X-Man, Xavier McDaniel, he delivered his fair share. Uh, remember the New York Knicks. Uh, they wasn't nice guys. Okay. So Which McDaniel was on that squad. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there were there were a lot of, of, of really uh, tough teams. They had they had a few guys. The the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, they wasn't nice guys. So uh, so a lot of teams had their mauler. Every team had a mauler or a brawler on a squad. I mean, they're just that just the era uh, you know that it was. And obviously it's it's completely uh it's no longer in the game now. So, you know, it's because uh, because of the way the game has evolved, but I mean, but th- that just how it was at that time. Mm-hmm. And you know, people people today have to accept it. I mean, hell, I watched a uh, I watched a black movie, right? A black black exploitation movie, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I didn't, you know, when I when I saw how uh, you know a woman was 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 getting backhanded, and you know, and and. And the dialogue and stuff, and I kind of start feeling a certain way, you know, start getting a little, a little pissed off and stuff, you know. You know, I'm 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 listening, you know, like boy, I'm hearing the word boy and all this other kind of stuff, and I'm I'm turning my head sideways. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, man, all right, <laughs> all right. But then I had to realize that this, this movie was in the '70s, so I'm had to say, had to realize that 
that's how it was. Then it was it was accepted. But now, right, that is totally unacceptable. You know, to see a woman getting just straight backhanded in the movie because even even the James Bond movie I watched the other day. You know, watching a woman get backhanded like, damn. But that was the norm back then. Right. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. That's all. Exactly. And yeah, the, the times of the game have changed. Yeah. And so you can't you can't even ha- hand checking is so illegal these days. And uh, it was funny that I was uh, I read a tweet from uh, Bonnie uh, Bernstein. And she said that in today's game, the bad boys would have been banned from the NBA. And I'm like, yeah, they really would have. Because if you hit somebody, even even look like you've been to hit somebody, they're ready to bang. You know what I mean? So uh, you imagine Michael getting beat up night in. I mean, each night that they played against the Pistons. He knew that pain was coming to the point you saw in the, uh, the documentary when they started bulking up. It's like, we need to get tougher, man, so we can get ready for these guys. And then... You know, it was just crazy with that. And, and, and you know what? And, and also, I mean, it wasn't no damn free for all. It was like, okay, if you take one of mine's out, I'm taking one of yours out. It was always an eye for an eye. So, you know, nobody, nobody was straight just getting their ass whooped and just, just taking it. No, if if you listen, don't think that Carl Malone or somebody from the Jazz didn't get the business. When he gave after giving open to Isaiah, time us up. And not to forget, the Celtics was dirty. Yeah, I said it. The Boston Celtics were dirty as hell. All right, and you had to can the, stand the, the, Danny Ainge, can or, stand DJ, can stand none of those guys, <laughs> can stand none of Mikael, Bird, you na- Bill Walton, you name them, they couldn't. No, you you, you can't sit there and say that they were. Uh, the Pistons were any different than what the Celtics were. Hey, I mean, look at look at the 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 Celtics and the uh, Lakers rivalry. If you yep. want to talk about bad blood, so I mean, I, I think I think I think sometimes people over sensationalize about the Pistons, and the bad boys. I mean, because listen, there were no choir boys, okay, in the eighties, and and hell, Magic. Uh, caught Isaiah with a, with a still form right into the bridge of the nose. So, I mean, and they kiss each other before the game. So I don't even want to hear that stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one thing that was showcased in episode four was the um, uh, when uh, the Bulls finally defeated the Pistons, and you saw the Pistons just straight walk off the floor under eight seconds to go. But then what we did not know, or if you saw it, those that don't, Got a chance to see it back in the 88 conference finals. Celtics walked off the floor, but they then they saw Kevin McHale coming back and giving some love to Isaiah. And Isaiah saying he was cool with that. And but my thing is, even with that said, that still was showing bad sportsmanship because Bird didn't do nothing about it. Bird didn't give a damn about losing. But then that's what it all came back. Said at the end of the game, Isaiah said it himself. He wasn't coming back to shake no hands. But wait a minute. When you won in 90, you shook Mike's hand. True. 89, True. when you beat Mike, you shook his hand, True. hugged him and everything. True. And, that, and that's and 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 I, that see that's whack. So I'm a, I'm gonna call that on this, I'm gonna call that straight. I think that is whack because you know, Mike, you know, dapped them up after they beat them. And I would have been pissed too. 
I would have been pissed if I was the Bulls. I would have been mad as hell if if you beat me twice. Just like if you you beat me twice and whatnot, you dab me up and then okay, now I finally beat you. I move on and damn, you don't give me give me that same respect, you know. In, in 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 Horace Grant's terms, and he used this very very loosely. Did not care. He called them straight up bitches. He called them that. Uh, he, he he probably wouldn't. He, he, well, he was he wasn't saying that shit when he was playing. Though. That's true. But it was funny. I'm just telling you, Horace Grant was the most funniest interviews in this documentary to me. I I loved it. It it entertained me because it it, it was good seeing him, man. Before I say, I thought it was Michael Jamal Warner. Uh, <laughs> 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 you fool. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like um, everything that we have seen, and it's been so much correlated, you know, within it. Um, from what I've been told, episode five is going to feature the Dream Team. So we'll learn, hopefully, more about the behind-the-scenes look of how all of that came together. But one thing that I did, I don't know if you saw it. It was in episode four when Isaiah was talking and they had it, and Michael was watching it and reacting to it. Yeah. Mike still don't seem receptive to Isaiah today, even or maybe to that statement. I mean, but but see, you got to think about when that was done. You got to think about when that was recorded and he played it back. It's not like it was done yesterday. Every every interview that I've heard Isaiah Thomas do, and he said the same thing. He hasn't dissed Michael. He hasn't. He hasn't. He said Michael's always been gracious, respectful, bigged him up, all of that stuff. Now the whole team thing, Michael didn't like that, and Mike Mike was pissed, and he got every right to be pissed. But Isaiah said just recently on Chris Broussard's show, he broke it down. He said he's had dinner with Mike. Mike is not going to have dinner with you. And there's there's a few people that that, that I know around St. Louis that has had dinner with Mike. Mike is just not going to have just dinner with anybody. You know what I'm saying? If if he don't uh, value your company or or something like that. So – if if you if you won't invite him to dinner, if you if Zeke is at your events, you invite Zeke out to your events and, and shit like that. Or if you guys see each other when you or out or whatnot, and ain't no problems, and Mike ain't never said nothing, ain't no issue. I just find it peculiar that way, man, because to react in that manner, and then you go on public and say publicly and say, you know, man, ain't got no beef with with Mike. Either you plan, you could be genuine with it, and you might be telling the truth, or you're playing some kind of game behind the scenes that you don't really want people to know about. That and that's can, can be considered snake-like. But again, if he's because re- a lot of people can repeat what they say and not be genuine with it, but it's just that in that notion, that manner, it just really seemed like Mike still got some kind of under scored beef with him. And that's that's why that's why I say we today this will be recorded on a Sunday. He the the interview Isaiah Thomas did with Chris Broussard was Tuesday. The we're watching the last dance. It's a 10 part documentary. So this had to be done months ago. Maybe maybe even a year ago. 
This wasn't done recently. So what I'm saying is that with Isaiah Thomas, and I'm taking Isaiah Thomas' word for it, and Isaiah said that they haven't had no issue, there's no issue with them, and it's been perpetuated by the media. And, and, and that's where I disagree because Isaiah has had a bad rep with that. And it, it's like when you get associated with some uh, a certain team, a certain squad, and, you know, like you said, that he had his moments with Magic Johnson and, you know, they kissed each other, you know, but it still Magic still gave him an elbow or whatnot. Fine. But it, you know how big of a competitor Mike is. You know how big of a competitor Isaiah was. As petty as it sounds, Mike went going – Mike is kind of hard person to let stuff go, especially when you see him coming out in a shirt that says three Pete with a question mark behind it. He came out in that kind of shirt. It's petty then and he's petty now. And, 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 and we all know Mike is a bonafide, can be considered, excuse me, considered a bonafide asshole. Can be. But. I don't, I, I'll never know the genuineness behind it. But, and Mike, but Michael being Michael being pissed off about that, them walking off the court, uh, that's that doesn't mean that he has a problem with him now, though, because that was you know that was that was a bullshit move, which it was bullshit. But he doesn't have a problem with Zeke now. But it's like people want him to have a problem with Zeke, and I don't I don't get that. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's true. I mean, it just makes him seem like he's a. Uh, I don't know. It's like it, it, it ain't Mike. I'm looking at now being mad at him. I'm looking at it from Isaiah's standpoint, and I mean he's gonna. Isaiah's stand. been Isaiah's been he's been wrongly vilified. Um, you know, he. I mean, he 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 really he really has. But I mean, that's just kind of how that's just how it goes. Um, you know, Michael. As they laid it out, you know, Bird, it was Bird and Magic, then Michael, and, and the Pistons were... Crashing uh, the party. Yeah, they were definitely crashing uh, the, the party, and I'm glad that they uh, I'm glad that they did crash the party. <laughs> right, it did, it did bring... It broke the monotony up in, in yeah. the 80s, you know, because outside of the, of the Pistons winning, you had, you had the 76ers beating the Lakers, and that was a nasty... Uh, uh, series. There was no love lost between them because remember the Lakers beat them in 1980, you know, and, and they were just, you know, getting back. And then the 76ers and the Celtics had a nasty rivalry them themselves. So uh, again, you know, people that they're, they're, they're seeing just uh, this image of, of the, of the Pistons and, and the, uh, and the Bulls, mm-hmm. but but that but the whole Eastern Conference, it, it was nasty. You yeah. know they didn't they didn't they didn't play nice. So yep. that just that just that just the way the league was, man. And just like everything, everything everything evolves. That's all. And we'll wrap it up right here. Uh, I want to thank those for tuning in and uh, uh, checking out the show today. Uh, we're gonna do it again on next week, and uh, we'll check out episodes five and six. Uh, one of them, like I said, was the dream team. So we'll learn yeah, so a bit about that. Mean we got to talk some more Isaiah. <laughs> yep, his name gonna be right back you know, in the conversation, and, and, and Chuck probably Chuck Daly's name too. But you know, it's, it's it's all good because, like, 
All I think is, I'm telling you now, so people just get ready. Isaiah's been vilified, and if you think I'm being public defender, then then so be. It. It <laughs> that's what the, that's what they had in Chicago, right? The defender, right? Hey, I, I love I love Zeke, man. <laughs> all right, all right. That'll wrap things up for this edition of. Uh, in the zone, uh, our last dance special. A voice you heard was Palmer Alexander III. This is the A Train Arlington Lane signing off. We'll catch you for another edition of In the Zone. See y'all later. <laughs>